Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And it was quite the day for Florida State's defense. Let's talk about that. They dominated, in my opinion. Mike was a little bit more judicious. We'll get into that here in just a moment. In fact, let's uh, welcome all of you in here. That's Tom. I'm Jeff. Jeff Cameron Show. Uh, happy Good Friday to everybody, if that's your thing. And, um, yeah, a little dolphin of the cap to all you guys. And uh, hope you have a great holiday weekend. We wanted to provide something for you, so we will. Let's talk about that defense really quick. Uh, yeah. Not really quick. We, we got an hour, don't we, Tom? We got time. Oh, we got plenty of time. We got we time. Got, we got time. We got all kinds. I'm having a shiner buck. <laughs> that's how I know this is a pod and not live on the radio. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have myself a little shiner buck. I feel left out. Well, you can have a shiner buck. Yeah, well, maybe I'll try and sneak off and put you on solo cam for an extended time. Yeah, if I'm in the middle of a rant or, or a point, <laughs> you can do it. Um, yeah, I just felt like it was a hodgepodge of um, players that were missing for the offense that didn't help much. Um, you know, that that's not going to work against this defense. If the defensive line is going to play and you're going to have most of your guys out there, you better have the best offensive lineman out there that you can have if you're going to have a chance. And so I thought they were handcuffed a little bit. Um, I've been frustrated by the inconsistency at snapping the football, Tom. Um, they're still finding – they're trying to find a second guy. You know, I mean, Maurice is fine, but they, they're just trying to find a second guy. And I think they go through the aches and pains of that exploration, you know. And um, it just feels – a little stop starty to me on offense at times when they're going against this defense, if the defense is playing well. Uh, and I thought the defense played well today, uh, or I should say Thursday. And um, that's going to make it really hard on the offense. I, were you surprised at all that, you know, I'll just say it. I don't think the first team offense moved the ball very well at all either. Yeah. And, and, you know, I wrote that in observations too. I used the first team term. I wonder if Ira cleaned it up for me. I haven't checked yet on yeah. Thursday night as we're recording this. But I, I guess the more accurate way to put it that makes everybody at ease over there at Florida State would be the Jordan Travis-led offense. You know, they might mix in different skill guys, and they do uh, across the board. They might mix in different offensive linemen or even tight ends at certain points. But when Jordan Travis is on the field, there are more players you heard of than not yeah. on the field yeah. at the same time. I was surprised. Uh, that first 11-on-11 period, they were turned away. It was a three and out with two pass breakups and a nothing gain on the ground. That can happen. Three and outs happen, and it's no big deal. But then as they kept going in different situational drills, like the first to 10 goal line and then the 11-on-11 late, more times than not, the defense had the solutions. And I wonder if Florida State, at least the offensive coaches, 
are maybe trying to find other solutions beyond Johnny Wilson and the tight ends. Like they know that Johnny Wilson is going to be an answer to a lot of problems. They know based upon their success with scheme that counter is going to get them where they want to go in a lot of situations or the rail routes to the Lawrence Toafilis of the world is going to be successful. Like, but what else can we do to be successful? And as they're trying to get on that mission and cross training dudes up front and all across the skill positions, as they're experimenting, the defense is in a position to just take over in those stretches. I think that's good though. I think that's good because if we're cross training with second tier guys or less, less experienced guys at certain positions and they're still dominating the defense, that would be an alarm bell for me. So I'm I'm glad to see that the defense does take command in those situations. I'm glad to see that we posited on the era a week ago that, you know, if Jordan Travis is out there, they're just going to move the ball. I'm glad to see that's not always the case. And I, I can't speak for Tuesday. You were there. I was not. But was it the same kind of thing to you where the defense controlled the action? Because I know that the defense had their moments on Tuesday as well. Well, I thought Tuesday was weird because they're coming off a scrimmage, and I don't think that they were as locked in as maybe the coaches would have liked. Um, I That's my thought. I you know, Mike didn't say that. So he may not agree with that assessment at all. Um, but you know, you're beat up a little bit when you come out of a scrimmage. You know, I thought some guys looked like there was some tenderness and you had saw a couple guys kind of, they're being careful with as they should be. Um, so I don't know. I thought that was a day where most of the time they were working on technique. They were doing a lot of things, uh, to try to rep, um, the way you're supposed to do it. Angles, hat placement, all that stuff. Um, as you would coming out of a scrimmage, you're not going to go to war on a Tuesday after a scrimmage. You know, you're not going to do that. So I don't know that anybody won the day. I just thought it was sort of a lackluster day of practice. I also thought that one of the reasons that, um, that it was a lackluster day of practice on Tuesday was that today was going to be what it was, which was, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot more 11 on 11, a lot more, they went into the stadium. So they also did goal line, uh, where they got after it with the game up to 10. Uh, if the offense scores, that's a point. If the defense stops them, uh, that's a point for the defense. Defense ran away with that because they controlled the line of scrimmage. There were a couple yeah. bad snaps in there. Uh, I think if you're going to, uh, to me, if you're going to highlight an offensive player from today, in my opinion, it, it continues to be the many ways in which Jaheim Bell makes you better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he just, he's going to be an interesting player for this offense. I think they're going to utilize him in a lot of ways. He looks like an NFL tight end to me, uh, body wise, athletically. So I think they got themselves a stud there and they're going to utilize that ki- that kid. Uh, they've got other guys too, but I think he's going to, he's going to emerge as the top flight guy. Well, I think they're still trying to figure out all the ways that they want to use him too. This yeah. is, you know, he could do a lot of things. He ran for a lot of yards at South Carolina. Uh, I don't think that that's the primary function here when you have Trey Benson and Toa Feely and Rodney Hill and Kaziah Holmes. I don't know that you want Jaheim Bell running for three or 400 yards. Right. That that's, right. probably seems like a waste of the resources, but he can do that. Uh, he can line up in the backfield and at the end of the line and out wide as a receiver or in the slot. So there's just a whole lot of versatility. And I wonder if they're just stretching the limits or finding what the limits are in these different roles. And then they're going to figure out by the time fall comes around. All right, we've gone out, fanned out wide. Let's pare it down mm-hmm. and get it to a place of you are going to do X, Y, and Z for us. Kyle Morlock's going to do this. Marquise and Douglas is going to do that. 
and that's how this position all comes together. But when you have somebody who is versatile, uh, I mean, why wouldn't you in a spring setting see what he can do? And Jaheim was, I think, better in individual uh, drills than he was yeah. at 11 on 11. But individual drills were short and sweet on Thursday. Just to give people a picture on Warchant TV or uh, on the podcast feed, it was about 45 minutes shorter of a practice than is typical for FSU. And what they trimmed from that 45 minutes, two things. Special teams work was trimmed considerably. I know that breaks your heart. And then the other thing was individual drills. There are so many more periods of one-on-ones in a typical practice than there were on Thursday. Hell of a lot more team, hell of a lot more situational stuff. They worked on overtime. Mike Norbell said that after practice. Drive starting at the 25-yard line on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, And then they worked on goal line, two-point plays, things along those lines as well. So it was a ton of 11-on-11, and it was just that – any time that there was a yard to be gained, eight out of ten times, roughly speaking, I felt like 80% the defense was the one to control those plays. Yeah, by the way, to follow up, that is the second straight practice where they've done a lot more team. Um, Ira asked Mike on Tuesday after practice, It's, it's cool. I think Ira's question was, it seemed like there was a lot more 11-on-11 11 11 yeah. today. And then Mike laughed and said, uh-huh. And then Ira said, was that – uh, why was that? And then uh, Mike said, because that's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to see, yeah. which made me laugh. Um, well, and that's that's part of it's almost like a, the procedure of law is, you know, we're supposed to ask Coach Norvell, are you willing to talk about this? Right. That, that question was code. Are you willing to admit are you willing to, that we yeah. went for a team? He's, I am. Yeah. And, and, and we yeah. proceed from there. But, yeah, a lot of teamwork this week, which is good when you have a long break before next week's preparation for the spring game. Yeah, they have break uh, at the time that you guys are listening to this. They're, they're, they're not doing anything today, and, and they're obviously the holiday weekend. So nothing Friday, nothing Saturday, nothing Sunday. I don't think anything Monday. Maybe workouts or something, but no practice, obviously. Um, so you got several days where, you know, that's why they challenged them with intensity early on today, I think. Um, this was an intense practice from a coaching standpoint. They coached them really hard. Uh, there was a lot of pointed conversations about effort and the need to pay attention and be where you're supposed to be in a timely fashion. I think they wanted to ride them early, get get on them about attention to detail and effort. And then at the end, they are, they had a lot of fun. You know, I, I thought they had uh, kind of a fun time with the punt, pass, and kick thing, and people were laughing about that, and the kids were loosening up, and the coaches were having a good time yucking it up as well. And uh, that, by the way, that was kind of fun to watch. You know, watching offensive linemen kick footballs is hilarious, uh, or defensive linemen for that matter. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I missed it. You know, the schedule said that we would have been out by six, so I decided to run and go do the the writing part. Mm. And I would have loved to have seen, I don't know, like a Tafasi try and kick a field goal or a yeah. Daryl Jackson try and kick a field goal. That would have been fun. You know, most see. of those guys failed miserably. I will tell you. <laughs> Byers could can punt a football. He got into one, and somebody else on the offensive line really got into one, and it was a left-footed punt. Please tell me it was Kanaya Charlton at 300 pounds, or Keandre Jones at 330 No, Kanaya's kick was not good. Um, I, specifically, his was not good. Um, it was also funny to watch these huge men attempting to have proper form punting a football, and it – 
You know who who really can't punt at all, and he may get mad at me for this, but I'm here for it. You can go ahead and yell at me if you want. Hakeem Williams can't punt a football to save his life. It's a good thing he can catch one um, because, I mean, it's just off the side of his foot about four yards. It was embarrassing for an athlete. Um, but, yeah. He had a pretty good day. He had, he, he there did. was one drop, but he, had, he is consistently showing now the ability to create separation and get open. It's not on the wow factor level of Vandravius Jacobs at this point. Who's silky smooth and was smooth again today, although he had a drop finally. Ooh, he had a rough drop. Well, uh, and it's funny because it's on the day where we say we haven't noticed any drops, and then he drops one right in the basket. Yeah, we're going to have to have a block of wood in the studio that we just yeah. knock on as we say mm -hmm. these things. Uh, but Hakeem has been consistently impressive to me compared to what he was the first week or two, which was a uh, a non-factor who looked like he was getting up to the speed of college football. And there's nothing wrong with that, but yeah. I mean, he is a true freshman, but he looks the part of college football player a lot more now, which is, which is good to see. Cause he had catches from several quarterbacks uh, yesterday. Yeah. He had one that was called back. It would have been a touchdown. There was a yep. penalty or something, but yeah, it would have been, would have been a touchdown. Um, and he got behind the defender. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He looks a lot better now than he did a week ago. That is a fair assessment that, you know, that's what I'll say. He's a guy that looked, um, like he was swimming a little bit early on and, and maybe was a little out of shape to be quite frank. Uh, which, Hey, listen, you know, if you've never participated in a college football practice and you know, you're, you're a true freshman and you, you know, you don't know what to expect. It can be a bit, a bit overwhelming depending on the school you're coming from. So, you know, I, I think he was a little overwhelmed, uh, but he does look much better now. When you see him, he kind of looks the part. I just can't help myself but think, you know, he is going to have to work really hard not to become a tight end. And I'm not trying to pigeonhole him and put him in that box and say that that's what he's going to be. He's just such a big kid. Nobody 18 years old should have that trunk. I mean, that that yeah. lower half, he's a, he's a big, strong kid. And um, – yeah, that's fine. There are big wide receivers that can dominate games and uh, that might be his role. But if he were not careful and he really hit the weights hard yeah. and then he got his man weight on Tom, you know, as yeah. he got to be 20, 21 years old, you could see him being a good 250, 255 without a problem. Yes. Uh, I think the idea, nobody's as, as shredded as this guy, but I think the idea is for him to be more of a DK Metcalf size in terms yeah. of, the, the trimness like you could be strong and trim at the same time again nobody's going to be as shredded as that dude who looks like a one of those cardboard Body cutouts builder, yeah. at the gnc uh but i think and maybe it's the white uniforms because the offense wears white uh perhaps but i think he looks a little more trim than he did to start camp yeah he's, like, he's dropping the lbs yeah. yeah i think he i think he's gotten into good shape and again it's it's not like he, he creates crazy separation, but it's just the routes are starting. He's starting to break them off, and, and it's looking crisp, which is good because Florida State, I mean, they're not afraid to play freshmen here. And while they won't promise playing time to a kid out of high school, and I'm glad that they don't, they're not afraid to play freshmen. And if you earn it, you will get at least limited reps, role-playing reps, like Deuce Span got last year. Not a freshman, but a green transfer, so it's kind of like a similar deal. So keep going, young man. Get there in a position to earn it. Vandravis is still in the lead between those two in terms of who would make the field in a in a game that counts. Yes. But there's no there's no rule saying that Hakeem can't make this interesting over the next seven to ten practices, which obviously bleeds over into fall camp. Well, they're both allowed to help. 
So, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. there's no, no rule against both those kids playing. Um, if you're good enough, you're good enough. That's the way I view it. And so um, it's not like a lineman or a defensive lineman where maybe just by virtue of being 18 years old, you're just not strong enough, you know, um, because you haven't had time in a, in a, in a, in a world-class weight room. Um, you know, that can happen. But at wide receiver, if you're gifted and you can run routes and you know the tree and you can catch the football, uh, yeah, you can play. Um, they might both play. Who knows? I, I will tell you, I, uh, I, I'm not opposed to this because we talk so much about this team winning right now, Tom, and how big a year this is because of Jordan Travis. Let's just say it. You have Jordan Travis. This is the last year you're going to have Jordan Travis. The pressure to win now is immense. I say that to say this, I'm not against them going out and getting the receiver. I, I just, that room is, it's good. They don't have an elite receiver on this roster that I'm aware of. Now, Jacobs might become that. Hakeem might become that. But in terms of people that have played college football, there isn't one. I think uh, Johnny's on the fringe of being college football elite. And again, I'm not judging him by NFL draft placement, mock draft position. Yeah. But I think he is he's pretty close because when a situation in practice this spring demands that he's the guy the ball needs to go to, the ball hits the ground only if the defensive back makes a very good play like Renardo Green did today and a do or die down. Or if Johnny Strait drops it, which detracts from the elite argument, I will grant you that and he did today. But, he had a drop today, yeah. But you're you're talking about the ability to get open and make catches in moments that the game you you know where the ball is going, not players, not plays, kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Johnny is there. I, I think he's there with a little bit more consistency on the bringing in and hauling in the pass thing. He already puts his body in positions that are, I think are NFL level on the you know like back shoulder moves. Yeah, he stacks and, on people all the time. Yeah. Scramble drills, finding space, finding you know, understanding where the open area is to sit down and help out Jordan if, if they're, they're in that type of situation. Like the details of Johnny Wilson's game are so much more refined than they were this time last year, I think. So he's on that line. But I agree with you. It's not like Justin Jefferson or Marvin Harrison Jr. where it's just like, well, of course, uh, Julio yeah. Jones uh, or uh, the, the guy that Philly drafted from Alabama, the, the little guy. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's not like that. So I agree with you there. Smith is who you're thinking of, but they, yeah. uh, they do not have that guy. Um, the pit transfer that went to USC. Um, they, they don't have that guy. There, there is no, yeah, there's no guy where you're like, Oh man, that dude is a problem. This is uh, the kid at Tennessee last year. Everybody on their brother knew he was getting the ball and he would get 12 catches a game for 120 yards. I, I just don't see that guy. I think what's interesting about the receiving core is that they're good. It's a good receiving core. So when I knock it, I think people instantly think, oh, man, he, he's just not high on this receiving core. Actually, I am. As a core, as an overall unit, they're pretty good. You know, they got a lot of guys that can play. Yeah. yeah. But they just don't have that high-end guy that's a difference maker that changes the game in one play. Uh, Johnny Wilson is a problem. You would not want to face a Johnny Wilson uh, with a college, a collection of college corners. It's a problem. Um, but Johnny Wilson is not running away from the upper echelon corners. He's not running away from plus corners. Now, he may 
outbody them and make some plays down the field because he's six seven, and that's always going to be in his repertoire because he's such a big guy. But he's not catching the ball on a on a hitch and making a guy miss and going eighty. That's just not happening. So, you know, a lot of teams have an electrifying player like that, especially yeah. especially those teams that are competing for championships. The uh, the guy that that could do that, and think about you know Rashad, the catch at Clemson. Yeah. With the, are you it's not at sixty like now? Yeah. Yeah, that is the make one man miss deal, and it wasn't about a forty. Clearly, it wasn't at the NFL Combine, but it was about football speed and the acceleration. I thought it would have translated better to the NFL, honestly, because of the route running and the speed. Yeah, I guess he was just too small body. Yeah, he was real, real small. Yeah. I think Van Dravius has a chance to be that guy. Uh, I yeah. don't know about like now that's probably asking too that, much. That's why I say, that's why I say of guys but, that have played college football that, but that drop he had today, what he's trying to do oh, yeah. is, is what you're describing. Yeah, which he is, said, I'm, yeah. I'm setting you up before I make the catch so that I'm going to go make a house call out of this play. Mm-hmm. And he forgot the football, but that's kind of fun to me to see a mistake like that. Because you could tell where his mind is. And well, I love him, Tom. I love him. And I think I'm yeah. more high on him now than I was an hour ago, two hours ago, a day ago. I was always high on him when we saw him the first day. We went, oh, I like that. That That's nice. And a week later, we were like, oh, that's really nice. He keeps showing up in practice every day making plays. And then pretty soon, we were all just like, everybody there was just kind of like, well, this is just who he is, I guess. And now every day, even when he makes a mistake like you're talking about, uh, sorry I interrupted, but it's true. We were all like, oh, you know what, though? That's awesome because I can see what you're doing. He's going to be really good. He had a deep shot today, uh, Thursday, depending on when you're listening, against Azaria Thomas in one-on-ones that off the line of scrimmage, it was unfair. And it was crazy to watch. Just whatever move it was to generate the separation, it did it what 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 it was yeah. intending to do, and and you got Vandravius down the sidelines with several yards of separation from Azaria. And then are we getting shot. worried about Azaria? Um, not yet. He is it's not. Though. It's getting close though, isn't it? If I wasn't so impressed, and and honestly, this is a storyline that maybe I didn't write about enough in in the uh, observations piece, but. I was very impressed with the defensive backs today. Like I was very impressed with them getting downhill and separating the ball from the receiver. They did a great job of that consistently. Yeah, they Renardo, also, Renardo did several times. Yeah. Renardo did Jerry on early on in that first three and out greedy Vance just kind of does that as part of his gig uh, in one-on-ones. He's a little bit rough in the individuals, but when they get out there and they play team, mm-hmm. he just has a knack for timing, triggering and getting yeah. and arriving when he needs to arrive. And then also, I thought one of the plays of the day was made by um, by Omarion Cooper in the backfield of a, uh, a goal line drill in that first yeah. attempt. He blew up the play. He blew it up and forced Deuce Span to take a longer route that allowed Azaria Thomas to clean it up and make a big hit along the sidelines to prevent Deuce Span from scoring. Like I just, I thought the defensive backs uh, as a group today were very strong. And I think it's for that reason that I'm not yet worried about Azaria. Like, if there were no answers at defensive back, I would be, you know, saying, Azaria, please, we need you out of desperation. But if he needs a little bit more seasoning, like another camp in the fall, I've been very impressed with the mainstays from last year and Renardo and Jerrion and, and Greedy Vance. 
Uh, Fentrell, I'm actually a little bit more worried about right now than I am about Azaria. I'd like to see a little bit more out of Fentrell, but I don't know. Maybe that guy's a gamer, and he's just kind of getting through spring practice, getting acclimated, and then we'll see him turn it on in the fall. He's also a guy that's played a lot of college football, and maybe spring is like, eh, you know, and he's learning the defense, you know, so. I, I kind of get that sense, but, I mean, that that's you can't know what's going on in somebody's brain. Uh, he does make he has made consistently more plays the last two or three weeks of practice. Uh, but I, I think it's those holdovers from last year that have been more impressive at, at corner. Yeah, the only reason I, I brought up Azaria is that I just we were so impressed with him right away. I think the first uh, three practices we ever saw him in, we were thinking, holy moly. Mm-hmm. And then it it's kind of been stagnant, you know. Uh, now, he played a lot last year, so don't get me wrong. Any freshman that comes in and impresses you right away physically and is, is um, fluid the way he was early on and then gets that amount of playing time, you can't describe him in any way as a bust. I, I don't mean it that way. It's just. I thought because he got so much playing time last year and because he's so impressive at times physically, we would see a huge leap this camp. Mm-hmm. And it just hasn't happened. And and again, you're right. Maybe, maybe the fall camp will do that for him. And he's so young. It's it's you know, he doesn't have to be great yet. Well, but I, I, they're taking when you project greatness, though, Tom. Sorry, when you project greatness on somebody, it tends to happen pretty quick. Yeah. I, I just they're tinkering with him a lot. You know, I was surprised to hear when you interviewed Coach Fuller in February that they were thinking about playing him at nickel. Mm-hmm. I, just, I didn't understand that. Um, and because he had shown significant strides of growth at outside corner at, by the end of the season last year. It's not that you like you could get that body type closer to the football. It's not a bad idea in theory. I'm just I'm wondering about are they trying to find a home so badly that he might be swimming a little bit? Uh but there are times when he makes plays look so easy. You know, the thing is, I, I think we're a little bit biased too, and, and I'll speak to that on a personal level with observations. Like if somebody makes a great catch, I'm more apt to write that than if somebody makes a great pass breakup because we're, we're so trained to think of the, the play as a success mm-hmm. if the offense wins. Like that's the success. But sometimes the success is if the defense wins too. Um, like the Renardo pass breakup I mentioned before, there's nothing wrong with that throw, that route. All of it's perfect from Jordan Travis and, and Johnny Wilson. It's just Renardo made a better play than those two made. They made good plays. He made a better play. That should be viewed on the same level. But sometimes, I, like if Azaria has two or three pass breakups, that might not be touted as much as, you know, well, I think a catch on him in one-on-one. I think that's true. Uh, I agree with you. Renardo made a good play on that. And I like Renardo. He's often in a real good position. Um, I just think big receivers at six, seven have to make the catch and uh, I, I give Renardo credit, but I feel like Johnny should have made the catch. So it's kind of six and one half dozen, the other. Right. So that's kind of, I'm looking at that like nice play, Renardo, make the catch, Johnny. Well, and going back to the receivers, when you said going and plucking one out, out of the portal, if you could find a game changer, we said it on yesterday's show, but you know, you would like that, prerequisite also to check off a box as a punt returner and being good at that particular part of the yeah, game. Yeah. I just got think off these standards for these. The, <laughs> yes, you do. But you know what? If you only have two or three spots after yeah, all, yeah. done, you have to look for home runs. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I'll say, this guy isn't going to change the scoreboard. We know he doesn't do it, you know, in one play. It's not like he can make a guy miss and go 70, but I, I feel like this spring has, has 
shown that we miss Micah Pittman, and and they're gonna miss Micah Pittman. Just typically as a returner, yeah, as a returner and as a blocker on the perimeter. Like it's not that they can't block the other guys. Johnny, of course, can do a great job of that. But there was just a consistency and a toughness and, and an edge that Pittman has on the field that I think we're missing and searching for a little bit. Like we have yes. not found the solution for exactly what it is Pittman brings to the table. Is that a dude who can burn and run a four two? Of course not. But this is a varied receiver group in terms of their skill sets. And nobody has replaced what Micah brings to the table. So the sooner he can get back on the field for us, the better we are off of uh, for it. And it's not just in special teams as a returner. I, I, like, he brings a lot to the perimeter passing game, the perimeter blocks for the run game. He does a whole lot of things that uh, make the offense go and make it better. Yeah, he has a certain uh, way about him, an attitude and a, and a work ethic and a toughness about him that I think bleeds well for that group. It bleeds out into the uh, onto the field and off the field. Uh, I think it's important uh, to have a guy like that in your segment group. And he does. He, he, you're right. I, I hated to hear about that injury and, and the fact that he had to have surgery and we don't know, four to six months. And that's tough. Um, I sure would feel better if they could find somebody who could return punts. I don't think they have it in their midst. Um, it, it, it doesn't look good to me. Uh, so, you know, I mean, this may end up being a moot point if he gets back on time and, you know, he's able to participate early, uh, Micah that is, but if, but if he can't, man, uh, I don't think it's a question of whether or not you should go out and get a risk. You're going to have to go out and get one. Yeah. I think if, if he can come back and, and, you know, it's different, you're asking different things. I mean, you play LSU the first game. It'd be nice if he were there if he could be cleared to at least be the punt returner, you know, maybe he's not allowed to cut and, and, you know, in terms of the routes uh, he's not, his body isn't ready for that. But if he could just see the ball off the foot, go catch it, sit down, catch it, then maybe give you five yards before he gets hit, you know, or, or even just go and fair catch like that. That is actually that much more worth it to dress him, but we'll see. I mean, you're going to know by the time we get into fall camp, as long as they're willing to talk about it. But if, if he's not practicing by you know week two, or you're not seeing him on the practice observations by week two of fall camp, then you know LSU's probably out, and hopefully we've cultivated an answer somewhere else. Passion, drive, and patience—the formula for winning championships—is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance: superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply
So get this, and you may want to go get your beer right now because I'm going to tell everybody about this. I just heard this um, from, uh, is it Kevin Van Balkenberg, the, the golf writer that now works for No Laying Up and worked for the golf? Yeah. Buddy, this is amazing. So you you know the Masters app, right? You know, you have the Masters app, right? It's exquisite. It's the greatest app of any app ever made. It's unreal. Well, I found out today that they have at any one time over a hundred different people operating to make that app work properly. Hmm. At all times, people are responsible for another aspect of that app. So like if you wanted to watch, and this is how far that app has come. If you wanted to watch specifically uh, Chris Kirk and Sam Bennett. Yeah. Okay, you can type that in, and on the app, they'll give you a side-by-side picture, if they're not in the same group, of those two players playing their round. And now they have built in um, artificial intelligence for announcing. Yeah. So, yeah. so if you did this, Tom, like last year, if you had done this on the app, you could watch the players play, but you would hear the birds chirping, and there were no announcers. So you wouldn't, it was kind of awkward because like, let's say Rory hit a ball up onto the green from 180 out to within 13 feet. You just have to eyeball it from the app. You really wouldn't know what did he hit? How far was the distance? Now a guy comes on and says, Rory McIlroy, 177 yards with a, with a, with an eight iron, 13 feet from the flag. Like it's, that is on there with artificial intelligence now, like when it lands and they have all these data points, right? Well, here's the best part about it. They now want that app to be, and they want to be known for it. They, they, they've invested all this money in it. They want, they have predictive scores for players based on pre. (laughs) Yeah. I know where this is going with a specific player with one specific player, buddy. They have predictive scores, but here's the thing moving forward. It's only going to get better based on weather conditions, the, the, the caliber of play that the player has illustrated uh, leading into that tournament, that hole. How did he play the hole yesterday? Wind conditions, softness or hardness of the green, the percentage of accuracy with their 7-iron, their 8-iron, their 9-iron on the tour that year. So, like, if remember when Rory couldn't hit a wedge to within 20 feet of a flag stick for about a year and a half for some unknown reason? Where out of nowhere, Rory would hit a 340-yard drive, which is not out of nowhere. He does that a lot. And then he'd have a wedge in his hand, and he'd leave it 28 feet by the hole, and you're like, what the hell, man? You got the hard part already out of the way. Just stick a wedge close and give yourself a chance. But he wasn't doing it. So this program would would encapsulate that they would know that Rory hasn't hit a wedge close in forever. And they tell you the predictive score on this par four is par, even though he's going to have 97 in (laughs) because he's not going to stick this wedge close and he's not going to make a 25 foot putt. And there you go. Well, buddy, I like to gamble and you like to gamble. And if the app is going to tell me on a Friday morning that number seven is playing the hardest hole on the course and it's predicted to be even harder tomorrow, 
There are a lot of places that allow you to place bets on the over or the under for average scores on a whole. And my friends at Prize Picks are there <laughs> for you. If you use promo code WARCHAMP, yeah. they have you covered. I'm just saying, everybody, it's an amazing thing we're about to come into. And gamblers, as well as people who just want to be informed, are going to have more ways of breaking down this particular tournament, Um uh, more ways of doing so than one could have ever imagined just a year ago because of this app and the investment in predictive scoring, weather conditions. It's amazing. It is. It, it's funny when it's as wrong as it was for Scott Stallings, though, because they say it's IBM Watson. And Scott Stallings dunked on IBM Watson the way that Blake Griffin once dunked on a poor oh. soul. <laughs> for the Knicks. Because IBM Watson straight up insulted the family of Scott Stallings. Yeah. The people of Cleveland were insulted by LeBron James when he made the decision as much as Scott Stallings was insulted by IBM Watson because Watson said that Stallings was going to shoot an 80. <laughs> they said Stallings was going to shoot an 80. Yeah, well. What in the world? They're not big on Scott Stallings. Have you been big on Scott Stallings? <laughs> If you said over under 80 for Scott Stallings in the first round, I would put my mortgage on under. He's not going to shoot 80, and he shot 70 on Thursday. Yeah, no, Scott Stallings had himself a day. But I would tell you. <laughs> an 80. This, if, it was, if it was Shinnecock and the greens are rolling 13 and they're, they're sizzling like a, like a frying pan with bacon on it and the wind's up, Scott Stallings might shoot 83. A lot of dudes might shoot in the 80s. But Augusta? Come on now, Watson. You got to be better than that. Well, what I'm going to tell you is that they're 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 tampering with this. They're they're going to continue to tweak this, and they are just percentages. I mean, there are no sure things, or else we would all gamble and be very very rich. Um, you know, they're going to tell you that what should happen based on sorry ass Scott Stallings' performances prior to today is that he should shoot an 80, home shot a 70. You know, they are professional golfers. Uh, every now and then a blind squirrel finds a nut. But it, it's one of those things where you're kind of like, okay, well, I, I get that it was not a sure thing. Um, what are you going to do? Listen, Davis Riley a couple of weeks ago, you want to talk about kicking your boy in the cojones. Davis Riley has four top tens on the course that he played, and he effing threw up a 78, that son of a and a 78. All right. And can I can I quickly say I would have loved to have seen IBM Watson's projection for Arnold Palmer in 1996 <laughs> at the Masters because <laughs> it might look like some numbers that I would shoot. Or that, that I would shoot. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Here comes a cool 112, everybody. <laughs> Watson, Watson doesn't take any prisoners. <laughs> Well, I just think it's really cool. Predictive elements of an app. Yeah. Uh, for, and even if you want to leave people out of it because people are unpredictable and that's why it is gambling. But like, if you tell me, and I use the seventh hole for a reason, it did predict that the seventh hole would be the most difficult hole on the course. Um, now that may change tomorrow. They could tell you that the winds have shifted and whatever, but Obviously, if you're talking about a par five and the rains come and you lose all rollout, 
that could become the you know the long the more difficult hole. Yeah. But it is fascinating when you look at that. I because those bets are real. Like if you go over to England and you have, you can bet on anything. Oh, it's the, it's the world's greatest thing. Like yeah. they just embrace it as a part of their culture in a way that they got that right. A lot of things they got wrong in their imperial times, but that <laughs> is on the on the spot. Well, we'll get it right. I mean, we're headed in that direction clearly. But I mean, I love the idea of oh man, so you. You're going to say the average score is 4.2 on this par four. I'm going over, over today because the winds are deadly and nobody can land it on the green. Yeah, we're going over. I mean, it's going to be fun. It's, uh, man, I really enjoyed that week in Brighton because I'd have breakfast down by the water and uh, at this place, this 18th century hotel called the Old Ship, and the, the breakfast spread was unbelievable. So I'd have a, a good-sized breakfast. It was about a 1.4 mile walk up the hill to this uh, the Duke of Wellington bar that I would I would go to in a heartbeat if I ever went back there. About 0.8 miles on that journey, but who's counting? Was the William Hill where you could just walk in? It looked like an old Radio Shack. That's the 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 look and size of the, of the parlor. You walk in there, you are met with cigarette smoke and the smell of pencil marks on paper. Because oh, that's, that's all good it stuff. Is. Yeah. Bulletproof glass for the guy behind the counter taking the wagers. Yeah. And there's two or three seedy gentlemen playing parlor games on the side. Buddy, it was the best walk in the world every morning. All right, stopping by the William Hill. It's time to bet on the British Open. Oh, I, I can't um, wait till we have that in this state. That is really, really cool. And I would have, it's one of those times I would have embraced some things that I don't like. Um, I don't love cigarette smoke. But I would have been fine with it walking in there. In fact, I would have kind of embraced it and smiled, yep. uh, just knowing that these guys have no care for their health whatsoever. They're getting it. They are scumbags all the way through. It's great. Um, and they're going to get their gamble on at 7 a.m. after a hearty breakfast and some cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The bar opened at 11. So I'd, I'd, I'd happen by there around 10. Uh, t- well, 1030. I'd spend a few extra minutes in there. And the guy would look at me like, why, why are you so happy? You know, usually yeah. people in here are depressed. Yeah, yeah, but you were loving it. Yeah. This is awesome. This you is know what's funny about that, Tom? It's like, you don't, if you live there, you wouldn't do it every day. Yeah. But you like knowing that you could. Yeah. You just yeah. like knowing that that's an option. When I stayed in San Francisco, and I know San Francisco is much maligned these days. But I got a friend that lives in the Mission District, which admittedly is is perilous these days. But there was this wonderful coffee and pie shop at the bottom of one of the hills. Mm-hmm. And I would walk down every morning because I even when I'm on vacation, I cannot sleep late. And so my eyes opened. It'd be six o'clock. My lovely wife is not an early riser like I am. She prefers to lay in bed for a little while. So I get restless, but I don't want to wake her up. So I get up and I usually like at my house, I get up and I make the coffee. But when I was staying in San Francisco, I would go down the hill and it's freaking June and it's freezing. So it's cold outside in San Francisco. The wind is gusting. I'd put on this little pullover that was really comfortable. And maybe I would wear, sometimes I'd wear pajama bottoms. Other times I'd wear sweatpants, whatever. I'd walk down the hill of the Mission District and into this place, and I would get a piece of apple pie and a cup of coffee. 
at 6.45 in the morning. And I did it every morning we were there. And I remember thinking, this coffee is delicious, but this is cool. I'm just eating apple pie at 6.45 in the morning. <laughs> you would never want to do that if you lived there. You'd be as big as a house. But while I was on vacation, I couldn't help myself. And I'd watch people walk by on their way to work while I ate my apple pie and sipped on my coffee. It was great. It, uh, it's the simple things, man. It's the simple things. Yeah. You, know, you know me. I'm not a, a big cheese guy on anything but uh, pizza. And yeah. uh, we in America put cheese on everything. Everything has yeah. a slice of cheese on it. Even apple pie has a slice of cheese on it. As, as we should, yes. I get to the halfway house of the golf club in Brighton, and uh, the woman says, "Can I get you a sandwich?" You're supposed to stop, like you have to. You're you're not you're not allowed to just keep on playing. Which oh, they want you to stop. Yeah, they want you to stop to take a break and whatever, because you're walking. And uh, what do you have, love? I was like, eh, you know, what do you ha- what do you have? And she's, oh, how about a sausage sandwich? I'm like, all right, great. No cheese, please. Why would I put cheese on it? Right. Oh, you you like, oh, oh, right. I see you, England. I like you. Yeah, <laughs> I would have been like, well, how could you not? Um, but yeah, that is hilarious. Well, yeah, it is the little things and gambling parlors <laughs> open before noon are our cup of tea. What's our guy's name from Snatch with the glasses? The big, oh, yeah. the, the Coke yeah. bottle glasses. Yeah, yeah, I forget. You're right. That, that guy. That's who I want to see. That's who I want to see here in this country. Soon enough, and maybe Florida will turn it around here in the next year because oh. then we can just openly do a show from a parlor, you know, even if it's on reservation property. We'll drive over and we'll do a live show from a sports betting parlor in the state for the Masters. Buddy, if you're counting on Florida to turn things around, then it's going to be a minute. Um, let me, let me <laughs> I like to wager, so you know, yeah. I wager that maybe there's a chance. Well, mm. Uh, yeah, I'm rooting for it too, buddy. I'm rooting for it too. Before we round this thing out, I, is there any final uh, ribbon we want to put on football from what we saw today? And certainly we would invite all of you to go to warchant.com and take a look at the articles and the coverage that we've had. Um, obviously, anything that breaks over these next few days um, we'll have for you as well. Uh, in essence, uh, this is the Friday show, the Jeff Cameron show. Uh, pod and uh, we're going to enjoy the holiday like everybody else and then be back uh, with you on Monday but um, you know all I would say is that I walked away today feeling better and better like I always do about Jaheim Bell and what he's going to bring to this offense Uh, I really love the interior of the defensive line Uh, I I think you were right to highlight that the secondary played better today than they have in uh, recent days and I think that's why Adam Fuller called him out and he got the response that he wanted uh is there anything you're concerned about as we take this little respite? Uh, concerned about, I, I don't know. It, it's hard. It's hard to have deep seated concerns. Yeah. This far out. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I wanted to point out real quick, since we're putting bows on things uh, a week from today, when you're listening to this is the golf tournament, which we're very, very excited to host over at capital city country club. In fact, yeah. for you players, uh, the golf balls came in. Everybody's going to get a sleeve of brand new Chrome soft golf. Look balls. at those things. Look at that. The official golf ball of John Rahm, who's tied for the lead at yep. the masters. Mm-hmm. And we've got logos. It's a sleeve for everybody. They are, uh, they're good golf balls, high quality. I and love it. It, to a lot of things, but why do I bring that up beyond? It's going to be a great time. And we'll talk about it a lot next week. Uh, the battle's end has really stepped up for us as a sponsor uh, for this particular endeavor. They're one of the top level sponsors that we have for the event. 
And uh, it, it's a lot of money going to charity, to the second harvest of the Big Band, thanks to our friends at the Battle's End. No, I didn't mean to rhyme that. Uh, but to promote an event that they have coming up next week. So we're going to have a full day around the stadium, starting at 11 a.m., Langford Green. The Battle's End is hosting their Garnet and Gold Showcase Fan Fest, where there is an autograph session with just about everybody on the team from 11 to noon. There will also be live music and food and things of that nature over there, all for you guys from the Battle's End, who's doing great things with the program. That starts Langford Green next week at 11. But also, once you get done with that autograph session, we will be at Hotel Indigo next Saturday for a pregame show. I wanted to promote that before we were uh, into next week. From 1 to 3 p.m., doors open at noon at Hotel Indigo. We will be on the rooftop once again for the spring game pregame show from 1 o'clock to 3. So stop by the Battle's End event at 11 a.m. to get your autographs. Come see us for the live show from 1 to 3 p.m. at Hotel Indigo. You can do both. Please pull up that graphic, by the way, one more time, Tom. I want to point something out to the fine folks, uh, maybe some who can't see, and, and certainly those who can. You take a look there. Uh, it's thebattlesend.com. If you want to become a member and help out the cause of making Florida State football great and putting Florida State in a position to excel in big-time college football, um, they have stepped up, has the battles in. Obviously, we all know about roster retention and the players that remained and those that have been lured to come here and those that are interested in coming here. Uh, that's largely in part because of the success of the battles end and what they're able to do in a competitive uh, sphere for, for uh, NIL. So I think it's important if you want to be part of that, that you understand you can go to thebattlesend.com and if you want to be a member or contribute in some way, you can do that there. Tom noted, rightfully so, that the players that are going to be there, and Ingram has mentioned this to me, uh, tons of really talented players are there for autographs and pictures and all that good stuff from 11 to 12. And if you're walking around and you can't, you you know, you 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 came by and you saw us for a while and then you want to go down to the Battles Inn, do that, and they're going until 3 o'clock in the afternoon just like we are, and then maybe you're at the Bat Battles Inn and they come back and find us as well. We're 1 to 3, as Tom said. So, yeah, it's going to be – a real good time. And it all begins next week with a golf tournament on Friday where there'll be uh, maybe an appearance or two made by Battles and Athletes, which we're excited to report. A lot of stuff next week coming from that group and, and helping support the charity. It's all in the name of, uh, as I drop the golf ball in my office, uh, it's all second in harvest. the name yeah, of the Second Harvest. And uh, they have stepped up, uh, the Battles and not just when it comes to supporting the program, uh, but supporting something that's near and dear to our hearts. So uh, they're, they're, it's run by good people. I just I want to stress that, that they, they do good. And in the community, they're doing some good for the Second Harvest. I also want to stress uh, uh, stress that the Second Harvest is a wonderful charity to uh, help benefit. They're a great partner of ours, and uh, they, do, they do amazing work. And they are also hard workers. Uh, yeah. I want to point that out. They go above and beyond. I've worked with a lot of charities over the years, and they do a great job. I always like knowing that when we uh, align ourselves with a charity, uh, we want this to be a thing where everybody wins. Uh, and the only way that that can work is that we all put in a lot of hard work and make it work together. And not everybody reciprocates uh, in that way. Most do. Most do. But um, I think that the there's no doubt the second harvest, they got really – Hardworking people who, who who go who go to the uh, to the mat for you when you're trying to put together something. Uh, it's certainly anything that benefits them. They they absolutely are going to be out there helping you. 
and they will be putting on a show for us next Friday because we get to sit back and enjoy the golf. Oh, we um, we play golf and have some drinks is what we're going to do. We're going to have a good time. That's what, yeah. <laughs> you sound like Mr. Drink Special from Baton Rouge. <laughs> the drink special for the golf tournament is free. That's what it is. It's going to yeah. be free beer. So, yeah. Free well, beer. we'll we'll have a list of all of our friends and sponsors and everybody involved. Uh, starting on Monday, you're going to hear us uh, at nauseum talking about the people that have been involved in this and that have helped us out and that are uh, sponsoring it and everything else. But, uh, yeah, good job, Thomas. We're wrapping this up, getting that out there, letting everybody know. Um, and you guys have a wonderful holiday, and we'll talk to you on Monday. Uh, this is the show for Friday, so be good, everybody. And uh, it's always a pleasure. We'll talk to you Monday. And uh, yeah, I hope you're well. Be well.